You're listening to Show Me Your Mic, a show that interviews other podcasters about their workflows, gear, and thoughts on podcasting. Your host is Chris Enns, a podcaster who's hoping to learn more about the craft by talking to fellow broadcasters. Yes, hello and welcome to Show Me Your Mic. This is episode 17 and I am pleased to be joined by Daniel Jalkins. Uh Hello Daniel, you're there. Uh, hopefully hello Skype Chris, up. thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Yes, it's great to have you. Um, for folks who don't know Daniel, uh, what do you, I, like I know you through, uh, I'll, st- I'll say where I know you through and then we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Sounds good. You're a developer, software developer, Apple developer, Red Sweater Software is your company. And you make uh, a few different apps, and the most infamous, at least the one that I'm sort of familiar with, came to, came to know you by, was Mars Edit. And uh, you're a former software engineer at Apple. And the main reason why I would have you on a show just to chat with you, period. But the main, <laughs> the main reason for this show is that you also now have two podcasts: the Bit Splitting Podcast, which is an interview show with folks in tech. Um, Folks like Guy English, Erica Hall, Brent Simmons. You're up to five episodes as of this recording anyways. And also Core Intuition, which is a weekly. Uh, it's now weekly, right? It hasn't always been weekly, right? Is that- um, it, yes, it has not always been weekly. And um, it's been weekly now for almost a year or okay. maybe maybe a year total. Uh, but we, you know, kind of cutting a little bit ahead to just talking shop. That was <laughs> That was directly aligned with the moment we agreed to start taking sponsorships. So ah, interesting. That was a, a that was teaser. a helpful motivation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's up to 89 episodes as, as of this recording. And there was a break in there. I think you had a, I was looking at the list. I think it was a, almost a year break or eight months or something, whatever it worked out to be. It wasn't a break. That was just when the schedule shifted to once every eight months for oh. <laughs> an eight month period. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's all, no conscious, it's all marketing. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> we're not on a break. We're just on a. Yeah. What is that? We're a, just time. We're just. A, we're really stretching time. Yeah. Yeah. Octa. No, I don't know what the. Yes. <laughs> come out every eight months. No. Yeah. No sooner. No. No longer for that eight month period. Um, but yeah, the, the, your summary of my uh, sort of the Stuff. scope of what I do is pretty much covers pretty much covers it. I think. Um, you know, apart from that, I also do some blogging on bitsplitting.org. Uh, that's kind of, um, that's kind of, bitsplitting.org has kind of been my recent in the past several months push to extract myself a little bit from the Red Sweater software site because, um, you know, Red Sweater software is my personal, you know, software company that I started and it's just me. Um, and for years, I've been sort of using it as, a personal technology blog and a, a software company. And I just started to get kind of uncomfortable with that because at some point, you know, it's like my rants against <laughs> whatever Apple's doing or, you know, anybody else and strongly, strongly held opinions aren't really, I think, as appropriate for this kind of pseudo corporate presence. Um, so yeah, bitsplitting.org is kind of like my, I can let it all, all my, all my tech, uh, all my tech stuff hang out. <laughs> all the rage. <laughs> yes, all the rage comes out. <laughs> Which I was going to say, um, uh, with the podcast you do, the, your Twitter handle is Daniel Punkass. And I mean, I, I follow you on Twitter and you know, you sort of read and you establish a voice for someone in your head for what they probably sound like based on what they write. And, you know, 
uh, and and then hearing your podcast, it was kind of like he sounds way too nice a guy to be. <laughs> not that yeah. you, which sorry, it makes it makes me maybe makes it sound like you're like raging mad, no. and, and I'm being a bit facetious, but um, but yeah, nice radio. I know voice. It, yeah, it's a common it's a common reaction, and actually, people also find it. Um, surprising that I basically look exactly the same as my Twitter <laughs> avatar and they expect some kind of uh some kind of a more provocative countenance I guess uh but uh the the truth is that I that I um I do sort of use Twitter as uh, a sass you know my I can get my sass out there it's not that I'm not a sassy person in real life and that I'm not um and, and on this show, I'll be sassy with you if, if it gets there. But um, the uh, they're, they're, my thing with Twitter is always to have um, my, my goal. I often say this is my goal with Twitter is sort of annoying to some people, I'm sure. But it's it's kind of to have my, my perfect tweet is when one out of 100 people reading it kind of really gets it. And then it's not very fair to the other 99 people. But I like to think that the, the, that the one person out of, out of 100 who gets it is constantly uh, in flux. So like 100 tweets later, you'll be the one that gets it. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, that was it. That was it. That one was for me. Uh, but I ha- it, it, it tends to be a sort of like me begging the, uh, begging the followers to put a little work into sometimes trying to, to appreciate the uh, – the punk ass nuance of what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's interesting though that a lot of people have that reaction and in particular people who have, um, heard me on core intuition, um, and on bit splitting, they, they, they notice that I kind of have a different radio voice. So that, you know, that kind of relates actually to the topic at hand here. Um, maybe something else we can talk about is, is, um, you know, and anybody who does do a podcast, I do believe we all go into a certain sort of performance mode. Um, and in a way that even if it's just, for instance, I'm probably enunciating more clearly now than I would if I were talking to you at a bar or a cafe. Yeah. Depending on how many drinks too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm also using my, um, standard American dialect, uh, English so that all of our friends, listening from places as far flung as Slovenia can easily understand us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're not throwing in some Canadian uh, isms just to uh, try to appease to the Canadian audience that I may or may not bring to the show. Right. I would, I would sooner, I would sooner, I would sooner try my hand at Slovenian than to, than to <laughs> attempt, than to attempt to pull off something as nuanced as Canadian uh, dialect. <laughs> There you go. Nuanced Canadian dialect. I think that's a, yes. that's a good name for a new podcast. Maybe there you go. Catalog that one. Uh, right. but it's, it's funny that there's a few different things to pick up on there. And I, I just the Twitter stuff I wanted to go back to, cause I can identify certainly with that. I, that aspect of Twitter that I don't, this has nothing to do with what this show is about, but that's fine. It's my show. The, the, uh, the sort of the ID or the id, I mean, sorry of, uh, I know, I think Merlin man, it refers to it that way, but kind of just, and he's even more like blunt and, and kind of you have to figure out what's going on and less conversational than what you are, at least what, what I can see anyways. But but it is kind of fun just to sort of mess with folks and and either tweet random things or tweet something really that's, you know, that like you said, only a couple folks might get. And that's fine if only a few folks get it and the rest can be confused. And um, But going jumping to podcasting, I guess the 
presumably you don't try and do that so much with the the podcast and the uh, what's interesting in what you're saying about sort of separating from red sweater is the um, the aspect of where some folks tend to use it as a marketing vehicle for their thing so their product or service um, and not that you don't hide the fact that you do red sweater and the software that you develop and things but it is a, a separate entity and uh, what was you sort of touched on it a bit, I guess, but what was sort of the reasoning behind having these different domains that you set up for core intuition, bit splitting, as opposed to just like, you know, on danieljocket.com or whatever as the, the host for your sites or podcaster? Um, well, in particular with core intuition, because it is a true partnership with Manton Reese, it would have been, um, it, right. it would not have occurred to me to do that. But um, with bit splitting, um, it's kind of funny, I guess. I started bitsplitting.org as the, as I said, sort of like a, another technical, like, you know, uh, a place for me to just vent stuff and sort of have a technical identity. And I do also own jalkit.com, so I suppose I could have used that. But I think I was just sort of following in the, um, in the sort of like model of this kind of like tech quote-unquote punditry like putting a brand on your blogging i think is it's useful it's not only useful but it's also makes it a little bit more fun um i think it would be kind of boring if everybody out there was just like this is you know for example um you know the 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 johngruber.com site wouldn't be as fun to visit as daring fireball it would you know it would it could say john gruber and have a, a little star symbol and it just wouldn't be as fun there's sort of like there's something to this kind of um anytime you make a brand around something even if it's just for your 100 readers or listeners it becomes um something sort of like independent of the talent so to speak and something that you can kind of um kind of gives you some freedom i I think uh, another angle to it is it gives you some freedom to kind of promote it in a way that you might not be as comfortable being so blatantly self-promotional like, has everybody checked out the new com? It's amazing, you know? And uh, I, I just think that there's maybe a little bit of detachment from the product that helps you say, oh, yeah. this is... Or, or it, there's a reason that it's not called Daniel Jalkett's blogging app. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> that's just... It's just not as fun. I guess there's Mavis Beacon te- teaches typing, yeah. but um, you could have been the Mavis Beacon of blogging, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess maybe that's Matt Mullenweg. I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, it's funny actually. You say that because I I have chrisens.com. That's my blog, and I'm not in any way <laughs> taking what you said as a slap because I know it's it's a decision I went through, and I remember, and that's just blogging, which is my if if podcasting is my hobby, blogging is my uh, what's whatever's below a hobby, I guess. But um, um. But yeah, it is. I I can certainly identify just as soon as you said that with like promotion and like I'm way less likely to say um, I'll, I'll um, use a URL shortener way more because it's just you know hey check out my post at my name dot blah 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 and you know just kind of feels a bit right. awkward and then that's why again obviously podcasting at ssktn.com instead of through my site it's easier to it does separate you and it allows I think it also allows others to be join along with you like you said with you know Matt and on core intuition obviously but even uh, further than that, it's it's easier to sort of incorporate other folks along the way as you do things. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, I'm just trying to decide which show to maybe touch on first, but um, I guess go with core intuition since that's what we were sort of talking about. The uh, 
it's a, it a, it's a bit of a it's a tech show indie development focusing on Mac iOS Apple tech um, and like you said you're co-hosted with Matt and Reese um, what I what I like about the show and I've I, I don't have time to listen to every episode of every person I interview unfortunately but what I liked about the you know, the episodes I did find is that I, going into it I thought okay it's going to be way over my head and because um, I'm not a app developer I'm a web developer and I didn't think I'd find any mental hooks I guess but what I found about the show and maybe um, over the course of the episodes it's it changes obviously I'm sure each episode is different as far as the topics but it was easy enough for you guys the way you guys talked about the stuff it wasn't so it was it was heady knowledge and good discussion but it wasn't so high level um or low level again, <laughs> depending on which way right. you look at it that it i couldn't be entertained and also find it interesting and be curious what your guys thoughts were on it as someone who uses software but doesn't know how to write a lick of code to build software i yeah i was interested in and in, it was in, engaging i guess and so um i in asking this, I guess it's it feels a bit like it's the obvious answer as well. It's just you guys, and that's your personalities. But do you put a conscious effort into um, the the level of discourse? Because presumably you could go really deep into you know this bracket should go here, and then this thing, right? Goes, you know, um, how do you decide sort of yeah, where I, to pull it back and 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 that? I think we I think we do um, mostly subconsciously uh, aim in that direction, but sometimes consciously. I think neither one of us wants to make core intuition into like the, the, um, you know, the vocational school for coding. Um, it's not intended to be instructive about the art of programming per se, although we touch on programming issues. Um, it's, it's the way we sort of like started, it was just really, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I can't, I can't honestly remember what our goal was when we started, but it often started in the early days with just Manton and I, kind of touching base on what we've been working on for the week. And so it would be kind of a natural outgrowth of that. Like, oh yeah, well, since out, you know, since Apple shipped, who knows back when, back since Apple shipped 10.5, you know, there's all these new APIs and it's giving me lots of ideas. And, and that's the kind of stuff that it, it is obviously more geeky than something that a total non-technophile would want to hear. Um, but there's this whole class of kind of like, kind of like, um, kind of like I'm I'm a, a fan of movies, um, and I might like to watch like a show where they talk about the making of a movie, even though I'm not a cinematographer or a, you know a film editor or any of these professions that are really deeply involved in it. So there's, there's this whole class of like people who are like that about software, and they're like. I'd just, I'd just like to listen to your show to get some sense of what goes into this process of making software. And so I think that that's sort of like if we take a step back, sometimes that's our audience as we see it is um, not only programmers, but also people who are just kind of like trying to get a sneak peek into the mindset of indie developers trying to grapple with all all the stuff that goes with that, the, the technical work of making the software the, you know, grappling with decisions that are out of our control, like what Apple decides for us and um, just trying to like make a living at it. So um, I think what you experienced is good. It's good that you felt that it wasn't getting too technical. We basically feel that there are a ton of um, technical oriented podcasts like that. And there's a couple things. First of all, 
there are a ton of shows like that. Second of all, I don't think we are particularly well suited to be like educators in that sense. And finally, I think um, it's a lot harder to make that stuff conversationally interesting. So it's a lot harder to have like a show that set that seems entertaining um, while you're talking about, like you said, which bracket goes where. And yeah. It's like <laughs> it's just not as natural of a fit, in my opinion, for the audio conversation format. So, yeah, and, and uh, both I should mention maybe Matt and Reese is also a um, well, he's an employee of a company, but he does run his own software company as well, right? If that's that's right. I don't, I don't yeah. know him that well, so I don't want to put words in his in his uh, CV, <laughs> but uh, right, yeah. So he develops software as well, and that's what and you do as well. And so there's a bit of covering all of that angle of uh, grappling with, like you said, grappling with Apple, the ebb and flow of Apple's decisions and how that affects you and, and your software. And um, a bit of that, uh, I, and you could, again, I'm not trying to put words in your guys' mouth, but I, I certainly, it, from afar, it feels a bit like, at some moment, it feels like Apple could just release a blogging software app because they'd see the future of that i mean i don't really think that's going to happen but right that's sort of the sense i get from a lot of developers is there's this like not to turn into an apple discussion show but the the fear i guess that apple's going to eat your lunch so to speak and and um and there's lots of different examples of things in the big one maybe like itunes or whatever but um at any rate that's people can listen to your show to <laughs> to corey yeah. to hear a bit yeah. about that but uh speaking of tech i guess what what a, what is some of the tech going back to podcasting here? What what's some of the tech that you guys use to collaborate and say plan a show and uh, uh, things like that? We are we are grudging users of Google Docs, and <laughs> I say grudging because the damn thing just works, and it's really easy to put our thoughts together and then live at the time of the recording, even be you know group editing the same document. Uh, the grudging part is, you know, I don't know if you've used Google Docs at all, mm -hmm. but um, every time I try to like copy and paste out of it, some nastiness happens. Uh, you know, we had this situation once where we finally went in, we're about to record the show and then suddenly, oh, Google Docs is down. And that's a very unusual thing to their credit, but it, it hit home at that moment. Like, oh, we kind of can't do our show right now because all the notes we had made for the, for the week, you know, we sort of collect our notes there. Um, we're gone. And, uh, so we love Google docs and we use it, but we're sort of always on the lookout for something different in that respect. Um, I recently had the idea actually to, um, use Apple's, uh, reminders app because you can invite collaborators on a reminders list. Mm -hmm. And so we're playing with this idea of having, a reminders list for the topics, say, for the week. Um, and then we could just pull up reminders and uh, it's right there, the, the, the shared collaborative list for the week. Um, and that has the nice benefit too that I'm a big Siri user um, I, on my iPhone. So I like the fact that I could say while I'm walking down the street and let's say I'm listening to your podcast and I'm walking down the street and you, you talk to somebody about an issue that's timely and I say, oh, we should talk about that on my my podcast. I just, you know, press Siri, you know, press the button for Siri and say, add, you know, uh, new Apple TV to podcasting topics. And then it's there. So that's a kind of a cool trick, I think, that we might get more into. Um, 
Apart from that, we're just kind of the standard, you know, like like there's kind of like an equivalent to the lamp stack for web development yeah. for podcasting, which is like Skype. Um, you know, well, we, we have a pretty typical setup. Almost everybody uses Skype as, as you know. Um, but we also use another very common component as part of the puzzle is audio hijack pro on the Mac. Um, and we use that to do our recordings of each side. And then, um, uh, some folks also use call recorder, but we haven't we haven't actually gotten into that need so much because we're a two person show, so it's easy enough for each of us to just record our own side. Um, and let's see. Apart from that, um, it's kind of I'm kind of going beyond what you asked about the uh, tools for collaboration. But you know, in yeah, the sense fine. of in the sense of like just all the tools for collaborating on the production of the show, um, we also use. Um, uh, we hope well, well, we, um, Manton currently does all the editing for core intuition. Um, and I believe he is still using GarageBand for that, which might be an interesting <laughs> topic for us to talk about in a little bit. But, um, uh, and then, uh, we host the show on a WordPress blog and use my own beloved Mars edit to do the bulk of, uh, editing those show episode entries. Um, what other what other kinds of uh, tools? What other kinds of tools do you use that are uh, outside the scope of that? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, trigger trigger my memory here for no. I think I mean uh, the, let's just go into the gear then too, like the uh, microphones that you're using too. What uh, sure? What yeah, um, we actually just switched. I'm I'm talking to you now on a um, Rode Podcaster, which is as I've learned, it's become also a very typical piece of gear um and i think that's well warranted because it does seem to be very high quality for the cost and it's nice that it's a usb yeah cable so it plugs right into my macbook pro that's funny um, that you mentioned road because i just a little while ago i'd emailed them because you know we'll get into the sponsor discussion but i mean obviously i i'm hunting a bit for some sponsors for this show and it, the obvious would be some podcasting gear but right the companies that everybody you know you're kind of like i'm I want a company that is quality and good to sponsor, obviously, because I want to recommend something that way. But if everybody keeps talking about it, you know, like the Road Podcaster, every, just about everybody, either <laughs> they see a high they PR don't need 40, to advertise. Yeah, they, they would listen to the show and like, well, you already are. Why would we pay you? <laughs> right. So maybe I'll start censoring and just putting a please sponsor well, here. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk more about that because I, I, I think that 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 would not be a good argument for yeah. them to withhold the right. advertising. I'll make sure um, I send Mark send yeah. that audio to them. Anyway. But we actually just got these road podcasters in an effort to um, to because we are so consistently recording with just the same other person on the show. It made a lot of sense to us to have a identical setup, more or less. So, um, road podcasters plugged into the USB port of a Mac, recording with Audio Hijack Pro, with all the same settings, all the same volume levels, etc. Um, just makes it that much easier for Manton than to pop the audio, audio files into an editor and do the final mix. Um, but before that I was using and, and still have here, I'm actually listening with headphones through my other audio interface, which is a Motu 828 Firewire interface. Um, and that's what I was using with a standard uh, Shure SM58 mic for a long time uh, since the beginning of the show. So, you know, over five years now, recording with that trusty bit of 
of uh, utensil. Um, and uh, that's about it. You know, uh, I have a good set of uh, Sony headphones that is valuable in the sense that um, anybody who's doing this, and, and especially if you're trying to record the other person's end, um, it's very important, or it can be very important to get um, good headphones that, uh, that each side ideally should have headphones that are good enough so that the audio doesn't bleed out into the mic. Um, this has been a problem sometimes on my own show editing, and because I have a particularly loud voice, I think, um, I've sometimes caught my own voice on the guest's mic on their end. Oh, right. <laughs> and it's because they're listening on these headphones maybe that aren't um, aren't as cupped, you know, they don't block the sound in as much. And uh, so I think that's a good investment, good headphones. And apart from that, really, I think that's it. You know, like I said, there's some software, but um, it's gotten to the point now. And I think really, um, you know, not to butter up road podcasters' mics too much, but I think it's gotten to the point where it's pretty cool that you can say, buy this kind of great mic and this kind of great set of headphones for a total of maybe 300 bucks. And you can be, I think, doing business with the, just about the, you know, the, the, the not the pros, but the, the high end amateur market, which I would count myself part of, you know? Yeah. And for 90 some percent of your listeners, they won't even tell the difference other than you sound way better than the, you know, the folks who are just shouting into their yeah, computer, laptop, speaker, or mic, or whatever. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, uh, the you'd mentioned Manton does the editing on in GarageBand, and I'm not sure if that's in lieu of the discussion I emailed you about, maybe, or if you're if there's something with Matt, the way Manton does uh, editing. In so you would send him your audio file. He has his audio file of his recording. Is that how you do it, or does he just record both ends and you you send it as a backup kind of thing? Yeah, um, I don't think he even records me. Uh, I. I just send him the audio file, um, and so far that's been good. I, we haven't had any major mishaps in that sense. Uh, you know, no nobody running out of disk space. And although there's been some <laughs> some close calls, uh, it's definitely become part of my pre-recording checklist to just take a quick peek at the Finder <laughs> and see how much disk space I have. But yeah, I have a little script that um, that takes my audio and just packs it up, copies it up to a web server, sends uh, Manton an email, and then. The rest is is magic, and that's how I thought podcasts were made until I ventured out into making my own with bit splitting, and then I got a real taste for uh, all the actual challenges of editing, and you know, down down to like the final pulling the trigger on the on the episode and, and hoping that the volume levels are right and all that stuff. There's yeah. a little bit more to it than you might guess. Uh, <laughs> not not that you might guess, Chris, because I know you are well familiar with it, but then folks might guess. Yeah. Oh, I just guess though each time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I understand, but I guess it's still. Um, right. So does Manton do uh, like the common industry term is like a double ender or whatever where you like have some sort of audio signal to where you line up your audio and then uh, at the beginning or the end of the recording and then, because uh, what I found and maybe I could, I'll have to talk with Manton maybe sometime here, but um what I found when I've tried some of those is, and I know Jason Snell does this for uh, the in- incomparable, incar- incomparable, whichever mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> language you're, you're talking. Um, and I always get just like a bit of drift and it, it frustrates me more than the 
issue of, you know, someone occasionally talking over another person or whatever um, that you would get with a normal Skype call where you just call both or record both sides of the conversation. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think for whatever, well, here's a couple things I, in my, in my limited now, you know, five, six episode experience of editing my own show. I have also experienced this phenomenon. I think the drift you're talking about is a, in a nutshell. Like if, if I record 30 minutes and you record 30 minutes, somehow in the audio program, mine's like 30 minutes and 30 seconds and yours is 30 minutes. Uh, and somehow they just don't quite line up, even though I know it's, it's, it's like, it's like a very <laughs> subtle time difference. And you, so you have to, so you, so you have to go in and like cut and then shift, shift upwards and stuff like that. That's what you're alluding to. Yeah. Which is so odd to me as a, I mean, I understand I'm not a, a complete dummy when it comes to computers, but at the same time, I feel like in those moments, I feel like how my, my dad might be like, I just right. push this thing and, and it should open. Like it's ones and zeros. It should just record. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I, um, I, I don't really understand it either. I think it must have something to do with, um, I'm guessing it has something to do with differing sample rates and then the way yeah. that the uh, conversion of that audio maybe just is very subtly different in the timing. Um, it hasn't been such an issue with, with core intuition and with Manton precisely because it's such an edited show. Um, so the fact is that we go for an off the cuff sound, but, um, it's not unusual for there to be 40 minutes of recording for a 30 minute show. Um, and that, you know, we're not cutting out a ton of stuff, but it does mean that each sort of block of speaking is, is liable to have been sliced and diced a little bit. So, uh, he will just kind of tighten it up a little bit. Um, so to answer the question, it's it would be frustrating if we were trying to just slap the audio files together and, you know, make sure there's no glaring omission and then, and then ship it. But because he's going through and listening to the whole show and sort of trying to tighten it up anyway, it's not a big deal. If there was some time drift, then it would just be. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I going back to like our um, our decision to, to standardize on the same mic, I think that that would very likely eliminate whatever that time drift problem is. Um, I'm guessing that, you know, he and I each recording on the same brand of mic, you know, in the same audio software with the same settings means that we're going to get a very consistent result. Um, one, uh, one separate problem from that, however, we, we ran into on one episode was, um, was a Skype latency so oh, we yeah. ran into a situation where it was just like it sounded like well we were just a little slow answering each other because we weren't getting the message in time yeah uh, and that's something that again he was able to fix up in editing but not something that uh could really cope with if it were a you know a live straight to tape type of thing yeah and that's that's another interesting you know you alluded to sort of the, the standard stack of software and, and tools that podcasters use but the two camps of live tape versus edit mm. and and refine i guess and yep and uh i don't know how you'd begin to do some sort of like uh comparison of the success of <laughs> you know one style versus the other because there's so many other variables obviously and uh and i tend to be in the out of probably more out of laziness than anything else of the just live tape thing unless there's major gaffes but i know that you know in a, another show that i edit edit um a non-breaking space show, then it's a little bit higher level discourse and there is 
times where discussion goes off the rails a bit and and or there's right. Skype issues with when they have multiple guests and things like that. And then it, and then I do go back and, and edit before it's just pumped out. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's an aesthetic question for the producer of the show. So I have no problem with a show that its mission from the set, from the outset is to more or less do a live recording and and publish that, you know, on the feed and say, here you go, folks. Here's the show. It has some gaffes in it. It has our, you know, occasional hems and haws about what we're going to talk about. And that's just part of the conversational nature of the show. Um, in core intuitions case, it's been an aesthetic choice from the beginning not to have that. Uh, and that's, it sort of goes in line also with, and this is more Manton's, um, this has been more of Manton's push from the beginning, but I, you know, I, I value it even though it wasn't sort of my priority, but it's been a, 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 of utmost interest to him from the beginning to have the show be relatively concise. And he likes, he, you know, at, at his sort of like inspired by his desire for that, we aim for a 30 minute show and, when you're trying to produce something of quality that has information in it, has opinions in it, has thought provoking ideas in it, then, and also limiting yourself to 30 minutes, then you don't want to waste any of that time with junk about, <laughs> you know, junk that's not relevant to the show. So if you're going to go for that aesthetic of con- conciseness, then I think it makes a lot more sense to also edit the show for for value in uh in the quali- quality of the content yeah yeah it's interesting. i'll have to i'll have to touch base with him and, and have him on sometimes i'm curious um well just even from your perspective you know you say something and then he edits out part of it let's say and i don't i don't imagine it's to the point where he <laughs> he's changing things obviously that you're saying or anything like that just maybe you go on a tangent and then he decides yeah. in editing <laughs> it's not worth <laughs> it has been known to happen yes <laughs> and uh and the I mean, obviously, after eighty odd episodes, you you're familiar enough with each other, and beyond podcasting, yeah. you're familiar with each other, and so it's not that it's taken personally. I don't imagine at this point that. Uh, do you listen to your own podcasts back? I um, I, I listen to almost every episode. A lot wow. of people think that's a lot of people think that's really weird, but um, it's sort of uh, it's sort of a quality control thing for me, and it's also, to be honest, I actually enjoy listening to the show and I, I will find myself like laughing at our own <laughs> at our own like jokes even if they're maybe not very good um but you know I have a luxury of sorts in that I find myself with mm, compared to many people I find myself with plenty of time to listen to podcasts um in part because I'm a runner so uh the amount I run means I have lots of time I'd like to fill up with entertaining content um and so i usually do do find it the opportunity to listen to my own shows and sometimes i am kind of like wait a minute i thought i said something here that <laughs> i i had a really good thing to say there and it's it, it in in general manton is very generous in his editing of me and allows me to go off on tangents <laughs> but sometimes uh, i have been like wait i was just getting to the ah uh, well um you know he yeah. usually makes me sound he usually makes me sound at least as good, if not better, than I did at the uh, at the at the live recording. So I can't complain. Yeah, if he's yeah, more often than not, you're you're coming out better than you were then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have that struggle of listening to my own podcast when, where I, uh, well, I struggle with listening to my own podcast because just I still haven't after however many hundreds of episodes I've put out over the various shows, still struggle with just listening to my own voice. But um, 
when I do listen, just like you said, it's good, I think, a good practice to do even if you don't do it all the time. But I find myself thinking like, okay, you know, like in this conversation, listening to you back, listening to it back later, I'll be thinking the same point I want to say, you know, in response to you. And then I'll like hear myself say <laughs> a variation on that point on the show or whatever. And just kind of like mentally... And plus doing the time shifting kind of thing that I do here where we have this conversation now, but it's not actually released for a couple of weeks in this case. And then it's sort of like revisiting this conversation and I shouldn't have total recall of it, but I kind of do. And yeah. Right. Messes right. With your brain. Yeah. Well, to folks out there who maybe are thinking of doing their own show or they're just getting used to doing the podcasting and you too, Chris, so you say you're not quite comfortable with the sound of your own voice. I would say that it is, it is something that happens. Something's, flips over one day where it's like, oh, I'm just so used to hearing that voice. And the, the sort of like cliche loves the sound of his own voice. It kind of happens. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm comfortable enough with that voice. And I hear the, the things in my voice that I know are kind of unique and kind of funny. And, and maybe I don't even think, I don't, I don't think that they're my best quality, say. But after hearing it enough, you just kind of come to terms with it. It's kind of like looking at yourself in the mirror. I mean, if, if, if you had, if you had, um, audio is kind of like this I think for a lot of people it's like a mirror for your voice that you very rarely discover in a normal in a normal life right like this yeah. is why people when when I was younger like the the first major introduction to this phenomenon was like setting the voicemail or the answering machine message on your phone right it's yeah. like oh I, I sound that way and it's kind of funny because all of us have access to mirrors to see visually what we look like. And sound mirrors, i.e. tape recorders, are just not, people don't use them as much. And I think that if we saw, if we heard our own voices as much as we saw our own face, you know, obviously some people are still not comfortable with the way they look either, but most of us, I think, we kind of see ourselves and as long as we look roughly the same as we have the last However many years we think we're, we're kind of we're kind of in good shape, um, and I think people will feel that way if they indulge themselves to listen to themselves on uh, on tape enough. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's this. This is me being comfortable with my voice. The fact that I'm actually going to put this out somewhere. Whereas, I know a few years ago it was kind of like I'd record episodes just like me talking or whatever, and then listen to it be like trash, trash, and then get. Uh, but yeah, to the point where now I don't. It doesn't bother me, but if I come home and my wife is listening or something, then I'll just like go to the basement yeah. or make her <laughs> yeah. turn it off. Because that, I think, actually, that's maybe more the thing is listening to it in the company of other people is where it gets yes. kind of weird. And okay, we're all sitting here. Not that I sit around with my friends listening to my podcast that often, right. but yeah, like we're sitting here listening to me talk about something, and and yeah, just something weird switches. That, that w- I have to admit that would be awkward, and there have been times when I've like accidentally popped on. Uh, core intuition or something in the car and left my wife there and I'm like quick quick turn it off, turn yeah. it off. It's, it's a different it's a different scenario for sure yeah um something that uh, just we're going to touch on you talked about performance voice and, and we just sort of did that at the beginning but it, uh, one question from the chat room that I just wanted to ask you about uh, what plugins are you using within WordPress for managing the podcast or are you doing anything special there or just Embedding the um, on the core intuition show, we are not using a plugin. Um, it's pretty low tech there because we've been running that that podcast now for so many years. I don't, I doubt there were any, yeah. or if if so, not many plugins at the time. 
Um, so we just have a kind of a we have a kind of a bifurcated system on core intuition where um, the blog posts are there to sort of represent the episodes, but the um, the podcast feed itself is actually hand edited by Manton. Right. So um, that's not ideal. There are many problems with this situation. Not to <laughs> you know, not the least of which is the work that Manton has to do to to manually up the, update that. Um, but there's other stuff like um, the feed is not as rich with uh, iTunes specific metadata as it might be. Um, you know, if if he uh, either went to that much more work, or if there was an automated system for making it. You know, there's all this stuff you can have in an iTunes um, feed uh, that it's just helpful for iTunes and I guess for other i you know podcasting apps that that pay attention to it. Um, and so it's not ideal. Um, and there's some other little things I can't remember now. There's, there's reasons why we want to switch that over to using some kind of plugin or at least using, um, you know, some kind of automation. So when I started the bit splitting podcast, I looked carefully at a few different plugin options and I tried one, um, Name is not coming to mind, and that's probably good because it's not a favorable review. Uh, I tried one that was very complicated. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, I actually just thought of the name, so I guess I'll say it. It's, yeah. it, it was called Blue, Blueberry or something. It's like Blueberry without the E. Um, and it was impressive. I, I, have to, I have to hand it to them. It was impressive, the scope of what they are tackling. However, I found that it was just this kind of monstrous thing that, I ended up finding after putting a lot of faith in it and thinking, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to, it is, yes, it's monstrous. Yes, it's complicated, but I'm going to get this all set up and everything's just going to work right. And then there was something subtle about it that didn't work the way I thought it should. And I realized I had to either just suck it up and go with that, or I had to back out, back away, back slowly away from the, the plugin. And um, I did that sort of uncertain at that point whether I would use a plugin or not. Um, but then as luck would have it, I ran into this, um, I ran into this other plugin, which I have to imagine was named and developed by somebody who had tried to use one of the other plugins and also backed slowly away because it was, it is, was, and is called, um, the seriously simple podcasting plugin. (laughs) And it's, I, it turned out I caught I, I got this plugin. It turned out you know you, you ever install a WordPress plugin or something and you're like oh okay, well, this was obviously developed three years ago and it's abandoned. Um, so I probably will never be updated. Yeah. But uh, this case I just assumed that was the scenario. And then I like looked back at the website and it was like a week after I had installed it. It was like eight revisions later. The guy was just hammering away at it and like I had evidently installed it like midway. Th- in its in its infancy, um, so I think it's actually being actively developed and um, yeah, on the WordPress uh, plugin site, anyways, its last update was May 11th, so that's you know, a right. couple of weeks ago, which relative for most WordPress plugins is pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah, so. so I I have to say I ran into a few glitches while I was working with it, and I I sort of like manually fixed them in my copy. And made a note to like go back and, and see if the updates fix it. But I, I have to assume there are some growing pains that may even already be worked out now. But I did find the seriously simple aspect of it to be more or less true. Um, it's it's 
it's fancy enough that it does things like provide um, a dedicated like UI in the admin panel of WordPress for um, for, for podcasts. Uh, it uses the notion that podcasts are a different post type, um, oh, okay. which has some downsides for me with Mars Edit because currently Mars Edit can't notice and um, and edit non post post types so it's kind of actually a good exercise for me to get a, a, a taste for frustration that folks might be running into with mars edit but um apart from that you know it's a, it's pretty good it's a it's a it's pretty fancy for being as seriously simple as it is <laughs> yeah it looks nice i mean the pot the the proof i guess is often in the actual to me anyways with podcasting plugins um is the site itself how well it looks and and it's interesting hearing from a programmer like yourself who who can go in and, and tweak things and I if I go in and tweak things then it ends up usually breaking things worse and so um, but but just that the angle that you would take in searching things out like that um, is interesting to me because I actually ended up I do use um, the PowerPress plugin which is what Blueberry was and it, depending on when you looked at it um, it was I think version three and now version four and there was quite a few changes but what PowerPress allows for me which isn't in the wouldn't be something in the simple one I would hope because that's this isn't simple is having multiple shows managed by category so category feeds become you can have uh, iTunes podcast settings per category if that makes sense yeah you know what's funny is I think this one does do oh, do that. It? <laughs> it's, it's um maybe they are uh, maybe, maybe they are betraying their uh, their their title a little <laughs> bit here but I saw something about this um, yeah there's like a um it's like a um it's like a, a series. That's what they call it. Yeah. Oh, so they, okay. yeah, they do use something like that with a, um, yeah. a special category for a series of shows. I'm not sure if it's like a whole, di- if it's intended to be a whole different show or not. But right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's worth taking a look. It sounds like you are, you know, well settled with the Blueberry plugin and. Well, and whatever I, it is I ran into, maybe you just didn't run into. Or I held into. off on it for a long time too because I have, like I've said, I used to have. Um, which is a discussion in another, maybe another time, but having, you know, shows on their own websites and then kind of brought them all together at SSKTN.com and needed to figure out, okay, you know, the hack that I am with WordPress, wh- how am I going to do this? And, uh, you know, because I'm not Dan Benjamin with, you know, <laughs> custom coding my own CMS to build, to host multiple shows and all that kind of stuff. And so I, b- b- prior to that, I was using, I can't remember what plugin it was, but it was something similar to, uh, what at, glan- at first glance, anyways, this seriously simple podcasting plugin looks like, where it's just put in. Actually, it was even more simple than that because it wasn't custom post types. It was just added so added some of the metadata so that it make an iTunes friendly feed and and just really simple that way. But um, but yeah, with this podcast sort of network stuff, then I needed to do something a little complicated. But and I I held off doing using uh, Blueberry for a while and t- tried a bunch of other ones and then eventually did sort of took the plunge with it. Kind of like what you yeah. said. And once you get it working, hey, once you get it working and as long as it's not like a security threat or something, then keep working with it. You know, keep using whatever's yeah. working for you to get your mind off of that technical yeah. junk and back onto the actual process of making the shows. Yeah, that's the and maybe we can jump into the sponsor discussion because that's that is such a the ebb and flow, I guess, of podcasting where ultimately what you want to do is this. What we're, you and I are doing right now is having a conversation or an interview or whatever uh, discussion and then putting that audio out and, and doing a bit of marketing around it. And that's really what we all 
hopefully sort of get into this for and, and some of the fun is the gear and the microphones and a bit of if you're a web nerd like me then playing with the cms a bit but if you end up sort of going down that rabbit hole too far then you don't actually put out any, any podcasts right because you're tweaking your plugins and, and things like that um it yeah it, you're, you're kind of defeating the purpose of it all i guess but um yeah jumping to uh sponsor discussion actually no before we do that i wanted to talk a bit about just for a few minutes on um you're developing your voice was something that you had referenced earlier and uh just the fact that you you talk you sort of said you talk differently you know on on a podcast than you would in real life and and uh and which touches on i guess too learning to appreciate your own voice and the nuances that you bring to the microphone table (laughs) so to speak um how did you develop your voice for your own show after having done, you know, any or a discussion show with a friend like you do with Manton is can be a little easier because you're not waiting, um, you're not having to always think so, um, like what I'm failing at right now, <laughs> think <laughs> through your questions uh, properly and sort of process while you're listening to the person and then also be thinking about where you want to take the overall discussion and all those kind of angles to it. it. It is a different kind of voice you need to use probably as a host as opposed to a co-host. And, and sort of how did you develop your voice around that? Uh, I don't think I did it consciously. I think that there is, um, to some extent, and I don't want to sound like I'm like bragging about my voice here, but to some extent I have been aware of need needs of enunciation. And for example, I, I just have like an old, I have this old memory of um, being like maybe 10 years old and finding this book at the library that was about singing. And I have musical interests. I've, I've always kind of like been kind of interested in singing and playing musical instruments and um I just remember one of the exercises in that in that singing book was like it was it was like go overboard with with the like pronunciation of words so it would be like you know this land is your land you know and you can kind of go yeah. you can easily go overboard with that but I think having some awareness that 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 something like that is could be useful um was helpful just to kind of know uh that there, there, that there, that, that there's some some reason to do it other than talking like this, you know. You know, like if you want to start a podcast and you just want to talk like this, and maybe you're going to have problems. Um, and I think that was just, and I don't talk like that in real life either. I, you know, <laughs> bottom line is probably actually if we were talking in a in a pub or a cafe, I would be talking more or less like this. But there, I'm sure there would be subtle differences. Um, uh, I also went to music school, so I have a little bit of. Um, of appreciation for the for the idea that uh, that there like I, I I remember sometimes back to tricks that uh, were taught to us in the in a chorus where um, you know I can't think of a specific example but there would often be like times where to make the enunciation of what a chorus is singing sound right you would actually ask the chorus to sing a completely perverted version of the word like yeah. um like i don't know that this is not the right example probably but say for example we're all singing america you might say like they might ask you to everybody say america you know with an h at the beginning yeah and it's just to give a kind of like a rough edge to the word um so I'm, i guess i'm just a little bit fascinated by that and I, like i said i'm not saying i have that nailed or that that's my expertise but there's some awareness of that 
as an issue. Um, so I probably bring a little bit of that subconsciously to the, the way that I speak. The other thing is um, just to the extent that I have gotten better at broadcasting my voice on a podcast, it is just the practice of doing it so many times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of get more comfortable with it. And I remember back on my first, um, I think I started the show with Manton after I had been a guest on a couple um, shows like on, uh, there's a there's a podcasting, um, Mac-based podcasting network called iDeveloper. Um, guy, guy named Scotty in England does this, uh, this great developer-oriented series of podcasts. And I remember being on his shows. I was lucky enough to be on some, um, I was lucky enough to be on an episode of Mac Break Weekly with Leo Laporte, uh, I think, before I ever started my own shows. And I remember being very nervous and um, really not, that's part of it, having that comfort level with launching into just kind of knowing you you can launch into talking and you might ramble on like I'm doing here but in the end in the end you might just you know you're going to be okay you're going to be able to to say something that comes to mind and it's not going to be too embarrassing or too terrible what comes out of your mouth and that goes a long way I think towards having a comfortable quote-unquote radio voice yeah I think that's good advice for someone like just even if uh, you're when you're starting out podcasting to just Think about, and it goes back to listening to your own voice a bit and hearing yourself and getting used to that and figuring out the words that you, you say well and some that you mumble over. And, and I'm sure if, if my wife happens to listen to this, she'll be nodding in agreement and, <laughs> and saying, see, I told you, <laughs> but, uh, she'll often... you seem, you seem to always mumble, Chris, when yeah. you say you were right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're and, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and having a good critic, like, uh, I mean, I poke fun, obviously, but having someone like your spouse or a friend or whatever that you can trust to give you honest feedback on the the show, because often, as as uh, you know, in, in the world of Twitter and et cetera, you'll get, "Hey, good job, great, sound great," you know, from friends and and colleagues and peers and stuff, and and they may or may not be able to speak completely honestly and say, you know, this part of it you kind of struggle with, and so why don't you work on that or whatever? Because we don't, it's tough to give that kind of feedback, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a great great point, and and just developing in developing your own voice and figuring out what you might sound like because it is a bit of a. It's not that it's completely different. It's not like acting on the stage by any means, or or doing anything like that in the the theater. <laughs> but uh, right. but there is a a performance aspect to it that you're doing. I think. And uh, yeah, and I think that the the degree to which you treat it like a performance can increase over time. Um, I think it would be a good goal for anybody just starting out to say, hey, I'm going to try to speak as clearly as I can, try not to talk over the other people, try to get my thoughts out as concisely as I can. And then maybe your long-term goal is to be this kind of like, uh, you know, improvisational genius like Merlin Mann who pops out, pops out with like, (laughs) <laughs> you never know when the guitar is going <laughs> to pop up and like he's performing something. And I, I really admire Merlin's ability to, he's, he's very quick with his thoughts and he's also very, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, sometimes he can go on a tangent, but he's also very <laughs> thoughtful and quick with his thoughts. And, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if you listen to the, uh, <laughs> to the, um, 
uh, Roderick on the Line show, or if you've heard that, uh, it's Merlin and his friend John Roderick, uh, who is it's kind of it's kind of fun to listen sometimes. And like Merlin will be just be like bang, 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 and then like uh, thirty seconds later, John will get, get kind of get like this like joke that was it was just done that it's it's Merlin is like a I think he is kind of like made for podcast performance in a way yeah um, and not all of us are going to be like that but you don't have to be like that to start you can just you can start wherever you're comfortable and maybe if it's if that's one of your goals maybe try to move toward that but yeah actually and a little teaser for anybody who's listening um well hopefully you're li- well you are listening <laughs> <laughs> for anybody like, who happens to be listening. That's one of those radio things. Or t- I don't know where that comes from. But anyways, I actually have booked Merlin for in June here uh, to come on and talk about that idea of the podcasting. And like, but it is that like I can just, it's it's almost, it's both the most terrifying interview coming up, but also the easiest because you can sort of serve him up a question and and then you're done. <laughs> you know, like he can, <laughs> he could go right. for half an hour and, yeah. and you've, you're done and, and great and you've got a great show. And, and that's a testament to his ability way more yeah. than anything that I will be doing. But, but at the same time, it's this nervousness of like, I have no idea where we're going to go or how it's going to yeah. go. <laughs> well, that is a good point. And I, I've, I've learned this in my brief career so far doing the interview show with bit splitting is you have to be prepared to jump around in your style of interviewing and in your, and how you manage the guest. Uh, if you have a shifting guest every week or every, you know, my shows every two weeks, um, and that's actually a good point, though, because somebody like Merlin, um, somebody who you know is capable of running with uh, a question. In our, for example, I interviewed John Syracuse, and yeah. it was a little comforting to me to know that John Syracuse knows how to do a podcast. And that's kind of a nice advantage <laughs> you have here on this show, right? You're only interviewing people who have by definition been on a podcast before. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's been interesting cuz I yeah, coming I do I have done another show, Welcome to the Internet it's called where I would I would have called emailed you not called you up but emailed you and you know said can we come can I talk to you just about your your programming and stuff like that. And then p- presuming you didn't have a podcast let's say but and you're yeah. kind of like you don't know what you're going to get cuz they they're this brilliant programmer let's say or brilliant whatever Twitter person or whatever and but maybe they hate speaking and yep don't don't get there's no give and take and and yeah I've I've completely had to adjust my style and I, I'm sure if I go back and listen to episode one of this show you know just re- recognizing as I do this that people know how to talk and it's okay and they're they're comfortable with a bit of dead air because they know how it works with Skype and you know just all that kind of stuff that right. uh, and I was going to commend you on uh, it's funny you bring up John Syracuse that was in my notes of you know episode four having John Syracuse on which is um, I know, and I know you guys know each other and stuff, and not not because he's a celebrity in the tech world, but more so just because of the wealth of knowledge to have an interview with him on, where there's just so much stuff you could, <laughs> yeah, you could touch to. Which I guess is kind of like with Merlin, like you said, you know, you know that he's going to bring knowledge and just kind of like, okay, where do we go with this yeah. vastness of <laughs> of your brain and and uh, yeah. So, uh, do you have? Uh, I, I hate putting you on the spot like this. I can edit this out, I guess, too. But uh, do you have a few minutes? I know we're at an hour here, but we didn't even get to the sponsor stuff that I was curious to pick. No, up I on. have. I have time. Yeah, let's keep okay. keep it going if you're it's a, not too long for you. No, yeah, you're a programmer and own your own business too, so you got all day, right? That's right. Yeah, and I got nothing to do. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't do. That. I'm a professional podcaster with a hobby in programming. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, so sponsors, which uh, is always the great conundrum for a lot of well bloggers, podcasters. I think it's all very similar. But um, so what I've noticed, and I'm just going to speak to what I've noticed with your shows, and then you can we'll go from there. But you use a a model that's basically your current sponsor is on the sidebar. The main site uh, is you know this, and then that episode that happens to be with that show or uh, with that sponsor is obviously you know, at the top of the page and within the episode notes, you have, you know, this thanks to screens for sponsoring this show. Um, but then those, that main site sponsor or, or the current sponsor will change obviously with each episode or every few episodes. Um, and is that, and that's the true for both podcasts, if I'm not mistaken, right? The Yes. Um, I'm simplifying actually, it a bit of maybe, but yeah. And so the basic format of the, um, sponsorship, I heavily cribbed from, um, from John Gruber's The Talk Show on Yule Radio Network. Um, and that was on my mind when we decided to start start taking sponsorships in part because I had just sponsored John's show um, with Mars Edit. And um, I don't usually sponsor shows, but it was, it was right when John had started off on uh, – start. it was restarting the show on Mule and – I was just in the mood to be supportive of him, you know, keeping the show going. It was, he was kind of taking some flack from <laughs> people who were maybe yeah. really loyal to five by five. Um, and I, you know, I, I love lots of shows on five by five, but I didn't think that John needed necessarily to, you know, stay on that network. So, um, I sponsored the show and he, you know, he's like, okay, send me this graphic, send me a blurb, send me something about what you want me to read on the show. Mm, and then when I, th- talking to Manton, I thought, well, I don't really know how to do this. So why don't we just, <laughs> when in doubt, why don't we just do it the way John Gruber does it? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think he has actually since changed that his strategy a little bit and that he asks for, like we, we still continue to ask for, um, like a, a literal blurb to read. Uh, I think he maybe just asks for talking, talking points yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I think you can do it either way. I, I, I sort of leave it open now to sponsors. Sometimes I say you can either give us a blurb or give us talking points. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I actually just, you know, getting down to the technical nitty gritty, a little bit of the sidebar stuff you were mentioning. Hmm. Um, this is actually a, maybe a good tip for other folks who are, who are using WordPress. You know, I know you in, in our one, um, but I discovered this little plugin called widget logic. Have you heard of this? No. Um, it, it, it solved a problem for me that, you know, maybe the simplicity of my podcasting plugin didn't address, which is I wanted to have a sponsorship uh, graphic in the sidebar. Um, and I wanted to credit the current sponsor on a site-wide basis. But I didn't want, um, for example, I didn't want somebody who had just, you know, often like I'll invoice the sponsor and then uh say this is the show that you sponsored and maybe it's already the next week by then and the new sponsors up there uh i didn't want that that episode to show the new sponsor especially when maybe the um you know this person who had just paid for this is going to visit the episode finally and they say hey wait a minute why does it show this new sponsor so i i adopted a strategy where the um any page on the site that is not the specific episode page um, we'll have the current sponsor. And, um, if you go into any specific episode, it will always show in the sidebar, the specific episode sponsor. Oh yeah. I see now. Yeah. 
So this was a compromise. I think it works well. Um, you know, the, um, the current sponsor always gets slightly more exposure than old sponsors, but the old sponsors still kind of permanently lay claim to the episode entry. Um, and I did that with this widget logic plugin, which is kind of cool. It lets you, um, you know, for folks who, who use uh, WordPress, you know that widgets are the little kind of like a formalized way of like making those sidebar entries on a blog. Uh, and widget logic lets you add an extra little line of PHP logic code that determines whether the, um, the, the little sidebar panel appears or not. So I actually have um, two widgets. One of them is current sponsor. One of them is episode sponsor. And whether or not either one shows is mutually exclusive based on that kind of logic. Like, is this a single episode entry that has its own sponsor? Then show that. Otherwise, show the, the site-wide current sponsor. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, I hadn't paid yeah. attention that closely, obviously, when I was looking and flipping back and forth to... That it actually did change on on sub episode or an episode pages as opposed to the site wide page. Yeah, and that widget that actually that widget stuff is kind of interesting. If I do say so myself, um, <laughs> it's uh, when I did the uh, sponsorship stuff, I decided to use WordPress custom fields to put in things like the sponsorship link, the image, and the um, and the blurb into the uh, the content of the episode itself. So. The way that sidebar thing works, it's able to look up from the um, okay. from the episode itself the pertinent data. So what that means is that from Mars Edit now, I can add a custom field um, when I'm editing the episode in Mars Edit. I just put the image the image link in the blurb and the, the URL, and that will automatically change the um, the sidebar on the on the site. So that's kind of a cool little trick. Yeah, interesting. I'm. Uh I'm just trying to think of the uh, the plugin that I'm using that is similar. So if somebody is slightly less programmatically inclined, which yeah. I, what you're describing isn't all that complicated, but I know some people that you hear PHP and just kind oh, of course. Yeah. throw up their hands and smash their computer. <laughs> well, and some programmers hear PHP and do it. But uh, no, the uh, uh, plugin that I use, uh, where is it now? Which one? There is a either Woo Sidebars is one. So if you wanted to have it similar to what Daniel's doing, where you wanted to only show these, have a widget area only on these certain pages, these archives or these certain sections of post types or certain areas, that's one option is Woo Sidebars. The mm. other one that's interesting is WP Category Post List Widget. So long name. And uh, what that allows you to do is even more sort of, um, no, sorry, that I'm mixing up the two. Um, but the category post list, list widget is what allows me to, on a certain show page, have only recent episodes from this show listed as you know recent uh-huh. episodes, et cetera. And so similarly, you could do that with um, have other stuff appear as well. But um, Woo Sidebars is the one that allows you sort of say only on these types, these pages, and you can check off specific pages or a category or whatever, then create a widget for that show, which wouldn't, it would be a lot more work than what you're describing to do it per episode because you'd have yeah. to go in and make a new widget area each time you make a new show or a new episode, sorry. But um, but for somebody who's yeah not familiar with right plugging code in, that would be another way to get around that. But that's an interesting idea that I hadn't. Um, I'm sure a lot of people run into when they first start putting ads or sponsorship graphics and things on their site is all of a sudden that thing appears and then but you want 
this new sponsor featured and, and right. it kind of gets messy. So, yeah, it was, and for me, it's kind of like as a programmer, it is always often about how do I make this as streamlined as possible for me to not screw it up. And that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the way that logic works right now in the sidebar is the, the current sponsor is always determined by literally asking WordPress's database for the most recent post that has a sponsor attached to it. Um, and so that's, that makes it brain dead for me so that if I ever publish something, there's no chance of me forgetting to credit the, the current sponsor. And that's, that's what's important to me is I would screw that up if I left it to my, <laughs> my own, uh, yeah. you know, attention. So, well, cause there is a lot of and anybody who's published a podcast knows this. There's so many things you're doing, you know, never mind editing the audio and recording the show, but then just the show notes that you're doing and, and pasting that in. And I, I often copy and paste the previous show to, you know, use that as a template, but then half the time you, you forget to change, right. you know, Ryan Ireland's name to Daniel Chalcutt because that was the <laughs> <Right>. episode. <laughs> and then everybody gets mad. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the rage, the punk ass rage starts now. That's right. But uh, any, any advice, I guess, for folks who are looking to start out on the road of, of getting a sponsor and, and I think um, we don't have to cover necessarily like lister numbers and, and, and dollars and those kinds of things, but more so just, in approaching, I'm assuming you're doing this your, yourself or, or maybe you have some help with finding sponsors, but how you've approached who you bring. You mentioned, you know, I joked about Road Podcaster. Um, right. Having them come on and you had sort of some thoughts maybe there as well. So what's what what advice do you give to me? <laughs> well? Um, well, first of all, we have more or less, well, we have always up to this point booked our own sponsors and we have been lucky to have, um, you know, at first we were very tentative about it and we, I have to credit Marco Arment of uh, formerly of Instapaper for <laughs> yeah. actually sponsoring our very. He was our very first sponsor. Um, it was kind of easy because he was already listening to the show. He's a fan of the show, and uh, he happened to you know have a company that had some advertising budget. So um, he sort of like said, "Well, oh, I'd love to sponsor the show." And we're like, "Oh, great, we got our first sponsor." Um, and then we're like, "We got to find more." And then we're of course. <laughs> worrying about all the things you worry about like what if I never find another sponsor and then it'll be sad because it'll be this show that had one sponsor <laughs> and then every other show after was sponsored by Mars Edit <laughs> like, <laughs> right. um, and uh, but we were lucky to get you know a few of our um, kind of loyal listeners did happen to run their own companies and we're like oh we'd love to sponsor you and but more or less for the for a while it was just like one one sponsorship you know We'll, we'll take one episode. We'll take one episode. And that's fine, but that um, leaves a lot of room for doubt, like what ha what's going to happen when we run out of sponsors. Um, so just to kind of go backwards a little bit to what, what you're saying, like how do you choose wh which people to be your sponsor? You know, to be, to be honest, a lot of it is anybody who will sponsor the show, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> provided that they have a product that's not offensive to you in some way, yeah. you know? Um, and... And maybe That's, more so the, and you were in the case, sorry to interrupt you, the the target demographic, which I mean, you could argue obviously mine would be, this show would be similar, where you, you're you preaching to or speaking to programmers who are either selling or work for a company that sells some sort of product likely software. Right. And so there is a built-in desire to get that thing in front of it. Whereas, you know, sometimes an interview show or whatever, your audience might be just folks who are curious about podcasting, let's say, but don't actually have any money to podcast or have products related to podcast. Right. And so, right. but anyways, uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, the bottom line from the beginning has been we will only take a sponsor whose product we, 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 we can't go as far to say like only products we use because that hasn't been strictly true. Um, but products that we respect and that we can honestly say this will be useful to somebody, you know. So that's like kind of the standard for us is, um, is this a, a legitimate, bona fide, non-scammy product that is being developed by diligent people who want to help other people while making money? And that's like, okay, Road Podcaster, perfect example because it's a real product. It's You could even, Chris, you could even be using another brand of mic and say, with all good faith, the Rode Podcaster is a good mic. It is a good option for people who want to start a podcast. Um, and that's, so that's a perfect example of a type of product that you can you can sort of help spread the word about it um, with with in good conscience. And I think that's important for anybody who's thinking of taking a sponsor. You have to be able to do it in good conscience. And um, you know what that means is if you happen to be doing like a a podcast that's all about, you know, um, say <laughs> religious purity or something, then <laughs> you're not going to take sponsorships from some, you know, uh, from, you're not going to take sponsorship from, let's say you're, you have a, you have a, a, a theistic podcast. You're not going to take sponsorships from Richard Dawkins or something, right? Yeah. You're just not, you're not going to do it. Um, so there's got to be some like appropriateness for the the show that you're doing, the audience that you have, and do you think this is something that will help a good number of them? Um, so we were very lucky to actually get a repeat sponsor in um, Crashlytics, who is uh, very very narrowly focused at iOS developers, um, and provide a service that many of our iOS development listeners have appreciated. So that's worked out great. And it took the pressure off um, having to scramble quite as much to get sponsors when we had this like repeat sponsor. Um, apart from that, yeah, I've been, we, we have been extremely lucky um, in that we have booked our sponsorships consistently, you know, after a kind of growing pains at the beginning where I had to, or we had to kind of hustle a little bit to get, to get the sponsors um, at some point, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, because you people see who else is sponsoring your show, and they're like, "Oh, maybe we should sponsor that too." Yeah. Um, and uh, with bit splitting, I have also booked my own sponsors, and that's fine. But I had to be honest with you; it's not my favorite thing to do. So um, I love having the sponsors, and I love the fact that they pay me and I love that I get good quality sponsors, but the actual, you know, emailing people and making sure it's all lined up and all that is not my favorite thing. So I have been, um, toying with the idea of outsourcing that to, um, guy named Lex Friedman, who, who is a co-host of the, uh, unprofessional podcast, if you've heard that. Um, and he has started a new kind of micro he calls it an advertising network, but what it means is he takes on the work of getting in touch with sponsors who might want to put an ad on your show and 
arranges, you know, arranges the rate and agrees with the sponsors to get all the necessary materials to you and takes a cut. And I haven't actually, I've just in the early days of talking with him, I haven't actually used, I haven't gotten to the point where we've like, you know, actually done a sponsorship, but I'm hopeful that with bit splitting, at least I will be able to, um, use his service. It's called podlexing.com if anybody's interested. And, um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was just Googling because I, I'd been talking with him about coming on the, <laughs> the show. Yeah. Keep bringing up future guests. So that's another, <laughs> which yeah. actually reminds me I need to return an email to him because just set that up. But, um, and I was, I would, when you were talking, I was saying, oh, yeah, that's what the thing he's talked about to, doing as well. And I should mention that, Daniel. And then I actually, your show is, is listed on his page. So I don't know <laughs> if there's. Yes. Yeah. Thing, okay. with my, yeah. With my permission. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, he is, uh, we've agreed. So, so, so the, um, the way he works with this is at least the way we agreed to it is that it would be a non-exclusive, um, arrangement. So, you know, if I, if I'm walking down the street tomorrow and somebody says, Hey, I run, <laughs> I run Apple's advertising. We want to sponsor 200 episodes yeah. of bit splitting and I can make that agreement. And, um, it's not a, you know, I agreed with, with Lex to, um, to book a certain number of episodes for me and we'll see how that goes and i am i ideally um i think something that it's kind of like not all of us are podcasters not all of us are programmers not all of us are um wordpress you know administrators and you got to find like the the set of things you can do and then find a way to fill the gap of the thing you can't do Mm -hmm. so like like you were saying if you're not a programmer you got to get a plug-in that does the trick for you yeah and I'm not. Re- I, I've done a pretty decent job at it. I can be professional in my dealings with advertisers, but I am not a hustler like that. I'm not like. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with that if I can avoid it. You know, I like doing the work and getting paid for it. Um, I like hustling in some sense. Like I like you know getting more people to download and buy my software and stuff like that. But um, you know, mostly I just like being able to do something that make a, make something and get paid for it. Um, and to the extent that somebody like Lex could smooth that out for a bunch of us, I think he would be doing a service that he deserves to get paid for as well. Yeah. And it's, it's funny cause I, just in thinking about it, I, I'm, I think I'm similar to you in that, um, when I think about doing what he's doing, that just makes me kind of like, not, it doesn't make me sick. I'm not like, <laughs> it's not that <laughs> level of stuff, but it, it is one of those things where like, Man, I can't even imagine managing all that stuff, like just the scheduling and the the pitching, like you're saying, the hustling and, and stuff and that he's doing. And, and I mean, he's, I, I guess I'll talk to him in a future episode here and, and we'll pick his brain on that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, just that is, it's such a, a great idea of taking this a- avenue, this little thing, this part of one culture on the web that um, some people love and some people hate or don't aren't good at and building a business around it or a micro business or whatever it may end up being so yeah yeah and it's you know there's a lot of little it's it's i think we were talking about this before the show but there's a there's a lot more to podcasting than a lot of people would guess there's a lot of little things like you got to figure out yes you got to figure out which mic to buy you got to figure out which headphones to use you got to figure out which software to use you got to figure out um whether you record the guest or the guest records themselves uh and then you you add advertising uh, sponsorship then you got to figure out how to get the sponsors you got to figure out um what format you're going to do the sponsorship in you got to figure out whether 
you need to have tried the product first before you do the sponsorship in earnest. You have to figure out how to invoice the sponsor and you got to make sure that they get all their materials to you in time. And all this stuff adds up to quite a bit of work. Um, And that sort of actually leads to, I mean, putting the, putting the, the work of the sponsorship administration aside, all the other work that actually goes into podcasting, those of us who have done it, it explains why we want to be sponsored and why we want to be paid for the work because it's enough work that if we're not being paid for it, it kind of is hard to keep going as a, um, as just like a act of public <laughs> charity, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's a hobby then, but it often grows into either you sort of, have, you, you, everybody I think comes to that point where, okay, I've put in this many hours into this thing. Do I keep just doing it for fun? And it's uh, evenings and weekends fun thing I do, or, can it be something more? And and that's hopefully for those of you listening. Anyways, this this episode has been kind of a good glimpse into that. I, one thing I wanted to throw out there for somebody who's thinking about sponsorship, and and I've talked. I don't think there's no inside baseball or, or things that I'm talking about that aren't uh, public knowledge. But sponsorship of a show, in terms of listener downloads, in terms of getting actual real dollars, not just you know five bucks or whatever from a, somebody to sponsor your show. You know, it's in the in the thousands of listeners, it's, it's, and not that's, there's no hard and fast rule about that, but cause there's exceptions where maybe you've got a hundred people who are dedicated to finding out about whatever Warren Buffett's investment advice or something like that. And, and, and somebody would gladly pay thousands of dollars to get in front of those 500 people. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess the numbers and the, and the stuff, and that's what Lex, I know is when I talk with him, hopefully we'll be able to shed a bit of light on just, you know, what you need to strive for, or maybe where you've already passed and you could, could be having sponsorship opportunities mm-hmm. that you don't even realize are there because you're just doing this thing that you love. And, and maybe that's enough too. So, um, before we end the show, there's a whole bunch of other stuff we wanted to talk to you about, but we'll save that for the next time you come on, uh, when you're at episode 89 of a bit splitting, maybe. A bit splitting, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, but the the way I usually end a show is uh, just asking folks what podcasts they actually listen to and, and or apps that you you listen to them with. And so I'll just while you're if you want to pull up a your podcasting player of choice, I'm just going to do a little sponsor read myself, which is actually just a buddy of mine who, um, if you listen to the show, he, he does the intros and outros for me. He his name's T Bone. He runs a uh, voiceover and audio post-production service here in Saskatoon, but obviously you can service the world with the web, and uh, you can hear his work uh, over at thesoundlounge.ca, and so if you're a podcaster looking for maybe a little different voice to help with some of that kind of stuff, uh, voiceovers, or or maybe a sponsor read, often I know a lot of sponsors prefer to have the host do the reads for you, just because it builds in a bit of authenticity, but uh, those kind of services or, or jingles and, and, and those kind of things you might need for your show, you can find uh, T-Bone over at thesoundlounge.ca. So thanks to him for, for sponsoring this episode. Um, so Daniel, did that give you enough time to... Yeah, well, a, I... A um, list? I know you listen to a lot, I guess. You I listen that. to a lot and I go in phases, but there's... So, so it's probably best that I sort of focus on some of the stuff that is just perennially, I just keep like the stuff that I just almost can't miss an episode. And the stuff that's like that for me is um, the previously mentioned Roderick on the line with Merlin Mann. It's the, it's the weirdest show I have to say um, in the best way. And for a long time, I described my relationship with that show as 
being one where every time I, a new episode lo- came on, I looked at it and thought, I don't really feel like listening to this because <laughs> I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it was kind of the kind of thing where I had to just go on it, go on faith for a little while and be like, well, I don't know. I seemed to, it seemed like the last time I listened to this, I felt like it was a really good idea that I had listened to it afterwards. <laughs> so then I'd play it and be like, all right, yeah, I don't know where this is going, but let's see. And then, you know, an hour later, I'm listening to these two guys just talk about every like manner of thing going on in their life or in their in their storied history. And I'm just like, you know, you get these kind of like big like life insights, I think, um, which is maybe overplaying, you know, but I don't think so. It's a great show for just kind of like hearing two people talk about things in their life, in their lives and what's meaningful to them. Um, so I, I recommend that. I recommend that. And I have to recommend it with the caveat that you have to maybe give yourself a little bit of a, um, uh, of a make yourself listen to it for a while, get into the groove of it. Yeah. It's a, an acquired taste almost. Uh, yes, exactly. Which I was going to say, um, it's kind of a funny little, uh, uh, promo line you could give to Merlin of, the, I don't really want to listen to this by Daniel Johnson. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean. And then I also listen to. Um, I have listened very, very regularly over the years to Back to Work, Merlin's other show. Um, but I, but I go through phases uh, with that. I get kind of kind of go in and out. Um, other stuff that uh, is on my radar. I listen to some very corporate, I guess, stuff. Um, not not corporate in the sense of, I guess, corporate, but professional stuff like uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Actually, one of the um, one of the inspirations to me for the style of interview show that I'm doing with Bit Splitting, um, This American Life, uh, another big big one that I like a lot. Um, I listen to um, let's see. Uh, some of the stuff coming out of Mule, uh, you know, I mentioned already uh, the talk show with John Gruber. I also really like uh, the um, uh, the new Disruptors with Glenn Fleischman, uh, another interview show where he's specifically trying to talk with folks who are kind of making a ba- uh, a splash in the sort of modern internet based economy. Um, the uh, I followed uh, my friends Marco Arment and John Syracuse over to their new uh, accidental tech podcast, um, which is just running off of uh, Marco's network of one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, my friends Guy English and Renee Ritchie do a show, a a developer interview show called Debug. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that. Great show. Um, A bunch of other stuff. I probably shouldn't go too deep into into stuff for... For fear of casting the net too widely and missing somebody, but uh, <laughs> I really like some of the stuff coming from uh, you know uh, the um, some of the stuff on the seventy decibels network, which is now acquired by Five by Five. It's just so we're so lucky right now to have so many great podcasts, and like the fact that there are networks is great, and then the fact I think that there are individuals like yourself Chris and like myself uh just and like Marco just putting stuff out independent of a network is I think also vital to the kind of um kind of scene we want to have for podcasting you know I think it's like I like I have no shame that I'm listening to stuff from NPR or that I'm listening to stuff by you know one guy in his 
in his office. Um, and that whole spectrum of podcast is valuable and should, you know, be appreciated. It's like it's it is like radio, but it's radio at a time in an era when anybody can have a radio show, and that's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it tends to. I think what's really neat, at least what I've found, is it tends to help bridge. Um, what's the word? Like almost silos of the internet, right? Because uh, someone listening to this show is into podcasting, maybe, and has never even thought that there's a WordPress app that they could use, or an app for WordPress that they could use on their Mac, let's say, and comes across you because you talked about this, uh, talked about it briefly on your show or my show, and then finds you, and they may not have even ever considered that or or whatever. And there's even like you said with um, some of the shows you listed, such a variety of topics where we tend to sort of, I tend to anyways, typically sort of read blogs that are in my wheelhouse, my area of interest, and it takes a lot for me to step outside of that, I guess, whereas shows like, yeah, like the New Disruptors and where they interview people that you wouldn't have never ever come across otherwise other than they happen to be interviewed on this show and exposes you to their their thing, their love, their products, right. whatever, their services, all that kind of stuff. Um just a neat time. Like I also, I also like. Um, just sorry to interrupt you, but to to. Um, I also like the fact that you can sort of pick and choose, and you can, you can graze from the wide landscape <laughs> of podcasts. Like you know, I yeah. mentioned a bunch of shows that I listen to fairly regularly, um, but I also frequently find myself, you know, like like the the phenomenon of somebody appearing on a show and tweeting about it that'll often dra- draw me over to some show that I've never heard before. And I'll listen to that one episode. And then maybe if I like it, it'll become a regular, but maybe I'll just say, you know what? That was, that was a good show. I liked listening to that one show. Um, and I can move on. I don't have to become a regular listener just to enjoy what they've done and appreciate that the work that they've done for one or two shows. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, do you use something like Huff Duffer? Have you come across that? Um, I have used it here and there. Mo- uh, mostly I find that this, it's funny. I actually wrote something kind of like HuffTuffer as a native Mac client years ago because I had this challenge of like disparate audio. I wanted to be treated like a like a podcast. Um, these days, it seems like m- for the most part, the stuff I want to listen to is coming up in podcast format. So I can just, you know, go in with uh, I'm, I'm currently using Instacast on my on my iPhone. Um, that was a big transition for me because I used to use iTunes and sync to an iPod. Um, I still don't have all the, the, there's some rough edges there I haven't quite worked out, but, um, you know, I like the ability to be able to say, um, you know, just, I'm going to go add just this, this show or just this, uh, you know, maybe subscribe to this for a little while and then let it fall to the bottom of the list. Um, yeah. Yeah. Instacast is perennially just about every episode i think is what's most common there's another uh downcast is the sponsor that yeah yeah and uh instacast for mac beta is coming out. i remember that that same transition of of it was it took a lot for me to actually switch from itunes on the excuse me on the mac to using my phone there's some sort of like kind of like the same of you know similar to owning your own music versus just having it be in the cloud or whatever and uh it was kind of that similar transition for me of like, no, I need to have it on my computer. Otherwise it's, I don't know. Right. There's some mental switch that finally, when I did switch to listening to it on, on my iPhone Instacast or whatever I'd used at the time, but now I'm using Instacast as well. 
it was like, oh, yeah, why haven't I been doing this all along? <laughs> this is so much easier because I can take it wherever and don't have to always sync my phone and right. et cetera. The, on, the only thing that's annoying to me still is I, I still find it harder to add a new subscription. And I yeah, maybe the Mac client for Instacast will make that something if it syncs the subscriptions and maybe I'll be able to work that into my workflow. But currently I kind of find it annoying that I have to almost like if I see a podcast on my computer, I have to kind of make a note to myself to add it to yeah, my exactly. Phone. Yeah. So yeah. And that's where the like what I like about Huffduffer, not to go too much longer, we're a little over time, but uh Huffduffer is nice for just that bookmarklet of quickly grabbing an episode and then I subscribe to my Huffduffer feed in Instacast. And then I can I remember to listen to that episode and we'll you know later right. on okay. or whatever. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I, I should I should consider something like that. You know, one last thing since <laughs> since we haven't quite gone far enough down this uh <laughs> This podcasting rabbit hole, but okay. um, something else from the point of view of of, of producing podcasts is um, I haven't actually put together this solution yet, but I'm planning this solution. I think it's very valuable. Is making a um, a separate developer, you know, a separate um, private feed for your your podcasts, so that you can. Um, upload like beta releases so to speak this is more of an issue if you're doing something like me where i'm heavily editing the show um but to be able to say right now what i've been doing is like going through this process we didn't get into this into this question of like what i use for my own editing but i use logic uh from apple and then i have this process of like exporting it converting it and then copying it over to my phone so i can listen to it on my phone and see what it's going to sound like but um, I'm, I'm in the process of building a kind of system where I could easily automatically deploy this stuff up to a custom feed just for auditioning sort of my episodes in progress. Um, because that's something that is a challenge and it's a, it's a piece of friction. Um, but it kind of sounds similar to what you're saying when you're using this Huffduffer feed for it's just a way to get the stuff into an app like Instacast. Um, and so that's the kind of approach I'm going to be taking from an editing point of view. Um, and then to also be able to say like, you know, I think Instacast has this feature. I think that either Instacast and or the podcasts app has a feature where you can add a, like a memo to the app while you're listening. And then cause it would be ideal to be able to say, okay, you know, you hear like a flubbed up like edit and you say, oh, make a note here to... Right. Or let's just let's just take a more like traditional example, like oh, there's profanity at this point, and you don't have to like even look at the phone and say, oh, it's at one hour and thirty minutes in. Just yeah. say, mark this spot. Stuff like that, I think, is useful for the workflow to to try to um, improve on that going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, there's yeah a whole realm of other th- discussions to go down, but I'm going to just resist the temptation. To yes, okay. <laughs> And, and don't let me have the mic. Yeah. <laughs> that is the other problem of interviewing podcasters is they know how to talk, <laughs> which yes. is the blessing and the curse. Uh, so in wrapping up now, finally, so folks, you can, you're going to go, I guess you can go to the bathroom because you, you can take your phone with you wherever you go. <laughs> if you're listening on, <laughs> no, please, um, don't. please, please have a little respect for us and yeah. <laughs> don't, abstain until the show is over. I don't want pictures of people, Robert Scobling, the podcaster. Yes. <laughs> Uh, where can folks, uh, if they haven't figured it out already, where can folks find you, follow you, all that kind of stuff online? Well, my sort of like um, personality nexus is probably on Twitter at Daniel Punkass. And 
My um, company website is red-sweater.com. And my uh, you know aforementioned um, technical site is bitsplitting.org. And those are basically the three places you can find me. If you've sort of gotten fed up with Twitter and have moved over to app.net, I'm over there as well. Uh, same name, Daniel Punk Ass. So I sort of, uh, I'm sort of have a foot in both of those social spheres right now. Awesome. All right. And, uh, my thanks to you guys, whoever folks who are listening and, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, iChris on Twitter, and then, of course, more importantly, SSKTN on Twitter, Facebook, app.net. And uh, if you found this show somewhere in iTunes somewhere or some podcast listing somehow, you can find links uh, in our show notes at SSKTN.com. Look for the Show Me Your Mic logo, and episode 17 is uh, we'll have Daniel's smiling face or Daniel's punk-ass face (laughs) in some fashion. Uh, So thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Show Me Your Mic on the SSKTN Podcast Network. Follow along on Twitter at SSKTN or like us on Facebook.com slash SSKTN. Be sure to visit SSKTN.com for interviews with other podcasters as well as learn about other shows we produce such as Welcome to the Internet, Too Lazy to Blog, and Lost in Lemon. Lemon.